Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Danny Klinkscale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Insightful and witty commentary, probing interviews, and detours from the beaten path. Welcome to Kansas City Profiles presented by Easton Roofing. And something a little bit different this time around. Yes, we are going to profile a person. That is indeed Todd Clark, who has 30 years of experience in designing new and renovated golf courses for both private and public facilities. But also, it's Masters Week, and we're going to talk golf course design, the golf course business, the state of the game of golf right now. Uh, because 2020, one of the few things that we've seen that's been anywhere near half decent or good in this particular year has been the fact that a lot of people have returned to the game of golf and gotten outside and started to play again. And a lot of that has to do with the great people who serve the game, the golf course superintendents, the golf course designers, and certainly Todd Clark is one of the best in this area, and he is involved with so many great projects He built some of the best golf courses around here in Kansas City in the building boom of the late 1990s, like Falcon Ridge and Falcon Valley and Prairie Highlands and Winterstone and courses like that. And now, with the industry more in a renovation-type mode, he is involved with some of the more iconic golf courses in Kansas City. We are blessed, as I'll say often to him, to have so many great ones, but from Wolf Creek to Indian Hills to Oakwood to Milburn, all kinds of renovations going on and tweaks being made to fantastic golf courses to make them up to the standard that people tend to expect these days. It's a great time for the game of golf. The Masters gets everybody involved in the game of golf, people who hardly pay attention to golf all year long. Uh, Pay attention to the Masters and Augusta National, and we'll talk a lot of Augusta National on this, too. So it'll be a pleasure to get into something that's a big passion of mine. That's golf course architecture and, well, golf period with Todd Clark, a registered landscape architect and golf course architect as well. And he of CE Golf Design joins us next for a great conversation about a great game, and it comes your way next. We're here with Joe Spiker, the CEO and president of Easton Roofing. And Joe, you had a great year in 2019, a record year. 2020 comes, things are moving smoothly along, and then the coronavirus comes. But your company seemed to be very ready, very proactive, and very ready to serve your customers well. Yeah, we adopted social distancing very early before the cities even put out the notices and we started working from home. We are largely cloud-based as a company, so that transition was easy. Our technicians are wearing masks and gloves, and salespeople are not meeting with homeowners. We're doing everything digitally and doing everything we can to do our part to get over this as quickly as possible. So for any needs that people have right now, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can always call us, 913-257-5426. But the best way is to go to eastonroofing.com, put your information in, and we'll give you a call. Easton Roofing, integrity matters. Cinematic Visions has been an affordable solution for professional media production in Kansas City since 2003, offering award-winning video production and creation, as well as a wide array of digital and social media management services. 
planning, scripting, filming, editing, and post-production to delivering your product to a watching world, Cinematic Visions will provide professional and affordable services for you and your business with the necessary return on investment to make it all worthwhile. Cinematic Vision's goal is to unlock the power of storytelling through video and a strong online presence for your company. Beyond the numbers, they want to inspire and evoke your clients to feel and act. Let my friends at Cinematic Visions embed your brand where it belongs, in your customers' minds. You can find them online at cinematicvisions.com or with a quick phone call at 816-600-6300. It's time now to get some great assistance on health care with Chad Beisel from NoNonsenseHealthCareNinja.com. And Chad, even your business's name would indicate that uh, you have a real aggressive way and an important way to go after some health insurance for your clients. What I found out in the industry is just a lot of people are really confused. They don't know what plans are good, what their plans offer, how they cover. And so I've just taken the approach of being really educated on what options are available to clients and showing them all the options that are available and making sure they understand them so they can pick and choose what options are good for them. And one thing that's really important, of course, is access to doctors and hospitals. Absolutely. That's become a big issue for a lot of people. Some of the plans out there are going to restrict those clients to where they can and cannot go. So if you live just outside the Kansas City metro, some of the counties outside, you may not be able to go to some of the hospitals up here in the Kansas City area. So making sure that you have a plan that's got uh, doctors and hospitals and places you want to go is really, really important today. Learn more by visiting NoNonsenseHealthCareNinja.com and let Chad help you. I'm here with Tim Emerson, the owner of Emerson & Company. And Tim, give us an idea of the range of services that you provide from Emerson & Company. At Emerson & Company, we do credit card processing, payroll services. We do bookkeeping, merchant accounts like point-of-sale systems. What would you say differentiates you from other companies in the field and what makes you special? I think what makes us unique is, is that we're a small local business making regional decisions on companies. We create a profile for the business and then put it out to our different vendors in a very competitive environment and tailor those needs to the specific business, which usually ends up in a great fit or great result for the company. And of course, the idea is to save money, right? <laughs> save money. And uh, actually, sometimes I'm surprised where actually a, a solution that may cost a little bit more ultimately does save money, but we're not conditioned to think like that sometimes. <laughs> Emerson and Company. Check them out at emerson-co.com or call them at 816-360-9092. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Todd, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's such a timely time of the year in golf. Of course, golf uh, these days is uh, front and center on about everything. One of the only good things about the year 2020. We'll get back into that a little bit later on. But uh, tell me about uh, your upbringing and uh, maybe how the seeds were sown for you to do what you do. Uh, Danny, thanks. I, no, I got my career started uh, probably it's, it goes back to my dad, and my dad was a club pro. He was an assistant pro out at the Indian Hills Country Club. And then when we were kids, uh, we got grew up on Anexa. We, had, we owned a nine-hole sand green golf course out in Bonner Springs. And uh, so golf was always kind of in the family, so I was more interested on the maintenance side and curious about uh, taking care of a golf course and the sand greens and that whole concept, which, which is very unique today. Um, and then I went off to, uh, always wanted to do something outside. And then I went to uh, Kansas State University and in landscape architecture. And then, uh, I got into 
the golf course design side when Dick Nugent came down and interviewed, was looking for some people, and then uh, he made me an offer to go up and uh, work for him in Chicago in 1990 as an internship, and and I've been doing it ever since. So that's kind of that's kind of Dick Nugent is the guy that got me hooked on this uh, career and passion of golf course design, and and now it's been almost 30 years since I I started this. Well, it certainly has been a great run, and uh, just tell me a little bit uh, about uh, you as a young golfer. Did you uh, did you said you were more interested in the, the maintenance side of it, but you must have played. You know, I did play. We had, uh, you know, I was never, I never really got hooked on the game until probably college. Uh, I always played. We grew up uh, in Lindexon. We always played at the Overland Park Golf Course, the Sykes Lady Golf Course now, and played in the junior tournaments. And always would go out to the golf course with my dad, and he's always trying to teach you how to hit the ball a certain way and and go out and play. And so we played as a kid, and and uh, but I didn't really get hooked on the game until more more in college, and then I started to focus on more of it. You know, I'm just an I, I consider an amateur golfer. I got like 11 or 12 handicap. Been lucky. I've had a couple hole in ones um, back when I was younger, and today it's just it's fun to get out and just to play. What I really enjoy today about playing is my dad is 77 now, and, and he plays from the senior teens, and he'll still shoot in the 70s, 80s. And then my son, who's uh, 26, um, he plays from the back tees, and I play from the men's tee in the middle. And, <laughs> and that's what's great about the game of golf is you can you got three different ages and generations there, and it can be a very competitive match when you go out and play. So that's what I enjoy about the game. Talk about uh, developing uh, into the golf course design area, specifically as, as your own business. Uh, obviously, Dick Nugent is a very respected Midwestern uh, golf course uh, architect. But how did the path lead you to start to do things on your own, at first in concert with uh, Greg Schreiner? But uh, uh, just tell us a little bit about the path to actually becoming a full-time, full-blown golf course architect. Well, so like I said, I, I went and did an internship in 1990 with Dick, and then uh, he made me an offer to come back. He said, I'm going to make you an offer. You know, here's the deal. I'm going to pay you $100 a week, and, and this is my last year in college, and, you know, that'll get you through your senior year. The only stipulation is you have to graduate. So I pulled that off. I graduated and got married and went to Chicago, and then my wife and I were both from Kansas City. We were like, hey, we need to get back home to Kansas City, and my dad, his company was Clark Enterprises. He's in the water treatment business. He said, why don't you come back to Kansas City and try to go out and, and go on your own as a golf course architect, and then you can work for the family business a little bit. And so in December of 94, I moved back to Kansas City, and uh, I was starting to do some stuff, and then I ran into Craig Schreiner. I called him. I said, hey, I'd like to come in and meet with you, introduce myself, and uh and we shook hands, and I walked out the set of drawings. And at that time, we were just starting um, the the whole design for Falcon Ridge. And Craig was busy. We were prepping for Oak Hill, the Ryder Cup, back in '94, '95 at the time. And then Craig and I worked together till from '94, '95 until 2003. So we pretty much worked on the handshake arrangement. And uh, I ran the office and covered the jobs in the Midwest and. He went off and covered jobs on the East Coast. So uh, that's kind of how I kind of started cutting my teeth. I'm doing it as my own. And then 
then we split, and I got a partner, Brent Hugo, that uh, we're actually cousins. I brought him on board in 95 to do all the production, the CAD work, the drawings. And uh, Brent and I are still together. So Brent and I are partners in uh, CE Golf Design, and uh, we've just been doing it ever since. So, And really since Craig and I went our separate ways in 2003, um, you know, we've been focusing on today, you know, they're not building new golf courses. So we're focusing on all the renovations, major renovations. You know, we work at a lot of the clubs in Kansas City, but we mainly work throughout the central part of the states uh, renovating golf courses today. When you started to develop your own golf courses or worked in concert with Craig, what would you consider your philosophy or what were your some of your influences as far as, far as golf course design is concerned? You know, I think probably what I learned, you know, my philosophy and influence, I probably got that from Dick Nugent is, you know, Dick was good when I was up there working for him. You know, we would sit down and when we did design, like when I did Harborside International, we would take each hole and go through, set them up in the conference room, we'd pin them up on the wall, and we'd go through and we'd talk about grading and drainage and maintenance and how golfers move on and off. Uh, from the cart path to the green and access and how that kind of influenced your design and your strategy. And then, you know, from there, you'd always start working the holes backwards and coming up with different concepts and, and what the character of the golfers can be like. I think probably my biggest strength was probably routing golf courses. You know, I did all the drawings and everything for Craig. And when I hooked up with Craig, we you know, we were struggling. There was kind of a layout for Falcon Ridge, and we rerouted it and changed some holes around. And uh, that's probably the biggest strength that I bring is trying to look at a piece of property and figure out how to maximize it and uh, and really make the golf course fit into the terrain without doing a lot of earthwork. So that's probably something that makes me a little bit unique and different. And maybe that's my landscape architecture background and then just how I look at a piece of property. I remember walking Prairie Highlands when it was first about to be opened, and I did a, a tour. It was probably really one of my biggest introductions to learning more about golf course architecture. I'm not going to say I'm any kind of a, a whiz kid about it or anything like that, but uh, I do have a, a really deep-seated interest in it. And then I went around with Craig, and we went hole to hole to hole. One thing I do remember is he said it was a very walkable golf course, and I, I eventually called BS on that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, um, it was fascinating to to listen to somebody who designed and, and and the ideas that they have in their head. So it sounds like more like he was the, the guy who thought about the holes and you were the guy who thought about the big picture. Is, is that fair? Yeah. Craig, the way Craig and I worked a lot is, is Craig was, Craig was, I learned tremendous amount from Craig when it got to maybe a little bit more about the history of the game and, uh, and how to sell and how to go out and do presentations to different clubs. I mean, Craig and I did a lot of that. And then my job was to kind of produce the drawings, figure out the green details and the design. When you talk about Prairie Highlands out there, um, you know, we, I was one of the managing partners with Craig and then David Francis. The three of us were kind of the managing partners of that whole project. And uh, we, we helped secure, I helped secure the ground. And we ended up getting 80, 183 acres for $1,000 to go build that thing. And then we brought in the Dunnick Brothers to build it. And uh, we even designed uh, the clubhouse out there. And we had our design office in there. 
And uh, what's funny today is we just kind of moved our design office back into the clubhouse. It has a new ownership group, uh, Great Life um, Kansas City. Uh, they own it now. They bought it from David Francis. And so Brent and I are back in the original clubhouse and the original mm-hmm. design office that we started out with Craig. So it's kind of come full circle after almost 17 years now. And do you have any kind of idea in, in thinking about Prairie Highlands, Winterstone, a couple of the courses that were built during that uh, span of time, Falcon Ridge also maybe kind of fits into that. It seems like the, the courses are, are somewhat friendly off the tee and then the design becomes a little more challenging as the whole goes along. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, that's a fair assessment. I think, you know, you can talk about like Prairie Highlands back in, let's say when we built that in the, started in the late 90s and early 2000s you know we, the theme was a little bit bigger and bolder and it was it was like make the fairways wide kind of start putting the challenge in we get to the greens you know try to make it fair and make it playable for all levels and we just renovated uh, both falcon ridge and prairie highlands and today this is where technology has changed the golfers are hitting it so much farther with all the equipment everything that's out there a lot of the bunkers we put in, you know, almost 20 years ago are, are in the wrong position today. So we just went back and did a major renovation of both these golf courses. And and we've also reduced the size of the, the bunkers. I mean, when we built Prairie Highlands, we, we had 110,000 square feet of sand bunkers. We did that because sand was cheap. We just used the local sand. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have all these new liners. We didn't have the, the, the fancy sand, the white sand that's, very angular and drains well and it's very expensive when we pour it in from either Ohio or Arkansas. And so we took Prairie Highlands, for example, and we took it down to bunkers to almost 40,000 square feet. So we dramatically reduced it, but then we put the, pushed the bunkers out farther and got them in the right position. And I think today Prairie Highlands is better than when we built it, you know, almost 20 years ago, just because of the positioning of the bunkers and getting them in the right spot so it protects the greens and it will frame the tee shot and things like that. So that's kind of what we're seeing today and how, how the game has changed. You are renovating some and are continuing to renovate some of the more venerable golf courses in Kansas City and, and highly respected. Basically, there's so many good golf courses in our Kansas City area. We are very fortunate in that regard. But places like Wolf Creek and Indian Hills, these are, you know, long-standing, very well-respected Milburn. Milburn's my favorite golf course in Kansas City, as a matter of fact. Sorry, other ones. <laughs> but anyway, yes. anyway, uh, when you're working with a place that people have so much affection for and respect, uh, what kind of challenge is it? What do you feel like when you're going on the grounds like that? When you're working on Prairie Highlands or Winterstone or one of those, you did those, so <laughs> you're, not, you're not treading on someone else's ground. But what's it, what's it like when you're working on a place like Milburn, say? It, it is. Milburn is different. That's a Langford design, uh, William Langford, you know, and then we just, uh, they just celebrated their uh, centennial. It's 100 years. It was, and, uh, you know, it was built in 1917. So in 2017, they had it the 100 year. And we started working out there. The way we got involved with Milburn, actually, I caddied at Milburn when I was a kid. I went to China Mission West. My brother and a bunch of his friends that were all west, they were, they were all, we were all caddies out there. I did it for a few years and I got busy with sports. And so Milburn's kind of a neat place, just seeing it from as a kid to now. We started working there uh, before the clubhouse got on fire. We were starting mm-hmm. to work on a tree removal plan. 
and uh, we were working with Randy Hunt at the time. He was a GM, and Bill Mayer, he was a golf course superintendent. And we had just started taking out some trees, and the next thing you know, you see you see the clubhouse on fire. And at that time, what we did is all of a sudden I went in a few days after that and presented them with a plan saying, hey, you guys got to build, you're going to have to build a new clubhouse. Think about this. And we came up with the concept of moving the clubhouse in, making their driving range longer, uh, changing everything. And, and from that time on, that fire really has changed that golf course. It's allowed them to get current, allowed them to update their and build a new clubhouse. It was able to give them their short game area and the driving range and all that stuff that every club wants today. And then we finally got into doing the bunkers and all that. And the biggest thing is going back to your questions, you take like a Langford or a Ross or, you know, even a Tilling House like we're working at over at um, Indian Hills. And you look at what those architects did, you know, 100 years ago, and you try to you try to take those principles and apply it. Um, you know, Langford design, you know, the bunkers are, you know, typically like a Lasonia golf course up in uh, Wisconsin. You know, those bunkers are going to be down. The sand's going to be down a little bit lower. You know, it has the grass face. Well, things have changed a little bit. What we did out of Milburn is we tried to, today, it's easier to keep the sand up on the faces and get it some character. So we had, we changed the bunker, the bunker look out there from a length for design a little bit to try to create its own character. But we also try to preserve the routing and, and the character of those greens uh, just because of who did the original design. So anytime we get into touching an old classic golf course like that, we're very sensitive to that. And the problem is the, the game's changed so much, Danny. You know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I hit the ball the tee shot as, almost as far as I did as a kid. I mean, you know, the seven irons are still going now 160 yards, and, and you're going, wow, this is – and that's all technologies and the golf ball. Um, I mean, it's, and it's hard to design – for these young college golfers today and they just hit the ball a long ways and it, it really impacts how we design golf courses and, and the overall maintenance of them too. More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent podcast after this. It's time to visit once again with Dr. Brad Woodle of Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture. And Dr. Brad, your group has reached a significant milestone in receiving a prestigious award. Danny, we've been honored for the 10th year in a row to receive the five-star service award from Integrity Doctors. And what this means is that all of our offices throughout Kansas City have made sure to give people excellent chiropractic and acupuncture care, be on time, and do a very complete and thorough job, and have great responses back from patients. I know firsthand because I, well, I was just treated, for instance, today by you. You have a wide range of fantastic services. Absolutely. Chiropractic, acupuncture, physiotherapies, rehab, anything that you need to keep you well in bones, muscles, joints, and nerves. And I can't say how much it's benefited me in the time I'm coming here. Upwards of two years, my back has improved 100%. And you can have that same kind of treatment too. For more information and your chance for a healthier way of life, visit asfca.com slash Danny today. Most of us have experienced auto accidents, and it's no fun. And even less fun is trying to work on the insurance aspects afterwards and getting full value after an auto accident. 
I'm here with David Cowan from RecExpert.com. And David, you have an unusual and important niche for people after an auto accident. We have a passion to teach car wreck clients what they deserve. Getting your car repaired only fixes the damage and the paint. Getting paid for your car's loss in value is called diminished value. Chances are you've never heard of this before because most people aren't looking out for you. We help people collect thousands to tens of thousands of dollars for their car's loss in value after the wreck. And if somebody wants to come to you for that, what's the original assessment cost them? We offer a free review of any insurance claim to see how we can help. You can't beat that. Great expertise and assistance in getting full value after an auto accident. From David Cowan, visit RecExpert.com and learn more. Hi, everybody. This is Matt Llewellyn from 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence. I just want to thank everybody for supporting local restaurants during this time of uncertainty. 23rd Street Brewery is now open until this pandemic is over. And right now, more than anything, local restaurants need your help and support. Come on out and see us. 23rd Street Brewery is open now from 1130 till 9 o'clock for dine-in and carry-out. Whatever we can do to help you out, maybe with your catering needs, too. I appreciate all the support, and thank you for continuing to shop local. Firsthand, I have enjoyed the benefits of the CBD products from Canaway. My back feels better and better these days as a major part of my routine are the pain-relieving salve and the pure gold oil. And recently, I had the pleasure of a treatment session using the Canaway CBD in conjunction with the Microlite 830 cold laser. The non-invasive treatment session worked wonders, and I could barely tell I was even being touched. TML 830 is the first 3B cold laser to get FDA approval, and in addition, the combination treatment with CBD is patent pending. The new Smart Laser is the only hands-free cold laser in the world and is used by athletic trainers, chiropractors, MDs, physical therapists, and veterinarians everywhere. You can learn more about all the great benefits from the complete line of Canaway CBD products by contacting my friend Sherry McCants at 515 515- 208-6312. That's 515-208-6312 to get outstanding information about Canaway. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Our guest is Todd Clark. He is a golf course designer, long-standing golf course designer, and uh, his company is CE Design, and they are, as he mentioned, doing a whole bunch of renovations of various golf courses around Kansas City and around the Midwest and around the country, for that matter. And you mentioned the the length of golf courses, and, you know, I, I think even people who really don't have any disaffection for people hitting the ball uh, tremendous distances and the equipment being fine-tuned to to help people do that but in the end we we only have a finite amount of land Uh, I mean and do you think that I I guess that I don't really mind if somebody hits the golf ball a long way but it seems like it it's becoming too important that you hit the ball long. The other aspects of the game seem to be uh, suffering in that regard. If all you're doing is hitting driver wedge all the time, then doesn't that change the character of the game? And maybe more importantly for a golf course architect, uh, you know, you can't 9,000 yard golf courses are going to create landlock. (laughs) It is. It is. This is a struggle we deal with all the time. I would say probably about, uh, 10 years ago, well, you know, in, you know, Ron Witten with Golf Digest, Ron mm-hmm. and I are good friends. Right. We're actually collaborating together on Oakwood. And, uh, and Ron will admit today that when he developed the, 
the top 100 and the, the golf digest list. He goes, he created He created a monster. He goes, what happened is, is everybody wanted to go out and build a longer, harder golf course to get into the magazine, to get it ranked and get it rated in your state or, or to be on the top 100. And, and ultimately what that did is that just kept pushing that envelope out farther. The golf courses became longer and harder. And then here, I would say probably about 10 years ago, we started seeing some of the, a, a trend change where some people finally started going, hey, we don't, we're not worried about the distance. I got some clubs now that are just saying, you just get it to fit. The, the benchmark was always get it above the 7,000 yards or get it to 7,200 yards. And now we're working at some clubs, and I'll use the field club of uh, Omaha. Um, it's like a par 68. It's like you know, 5,800 yards long, and there's a street. It's an old classic golf course, and they love it. They love it that it's shorter. So we are still seeing now some people going, hey, we're not worried about the distance so much. Just make it a quality golf course. Try to get all the, the features like the greens and the bunkers. Try to get them as best you can, and then we'll just deal with that, that the, the golf course being shorter. So we have some of those clients and some of those courses we work on. And then what we're doing out here, what Ron and I are doing together at uh, Oakwood for Mr. Block, is he purchased Oakwood Country Club here at the beginning of this year. And uh, now we're doing right in the middle of major renovation. We've been working on it all this year. And then we'll continue into next year. And we're going to take Oakwood from being 6,400 yards long with some very hilly terrain, as you probably know, you probably mm-hmm. played it many times. And now we are actually adding new golf holes south of the irrigation lake and uh, building a new fourth and fifth hole. And then he purchased some more property, and then we're going to build a new par three, 14th, and the 15th hole. And when we're done next year, this golf course will be almost 7,200 yards long. So we've picked up, you know, close to 800 yards out here, and on this terrain. Um, it's just going to, it's going to change this golf course in the Kansas City area for sure. And Ken's, Mr. Black's idea there was, I need to be able to accommodate all levels of golfers. Uh, Curtis Yonke, we've been out there, so he's been out here several times. He's a member out here. He's hitting tee shots all over to see how far the ball is carrying. And I'm sitting there watching Curtis hit shots, and he's hitting shots on these new holes. That are like he's cutting the corner over the trees, and he's sitting at 320, 330. I'm like going, and it's still a wedge in. I mean, they hit a wedge so far. I said, this is just hard to design for it. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's what I try to do is get the balance between what I consider an average golfer like myself and then try to figure that out for the seniors and the women and the kids and then try to come up with something that works for all levels. That, I think that's the key to good, being a good golf course architect is how do you make it enjoyable for all levels? So like my dad can play or a guy like a Curtis Yonke can go out and play and, and they enjoy the golf course. Well, this year the golf course uh, traffic is up incredibly as a lot of people have returned to the game. It was the only thing you could do, do outside. It was the only thing you could do, period, for a long time. People took up the game who maybe never would have. So I, I guess what I would be saying is that there's probably a lot more golfers who aren't don't have great aptitude potentially, but they love being outside and they love doing that. Do you think that's going to have some impact on – you know, the fact that uh, it maybe should be a little bit easier for people like that or it's affecting maybe building more short courses. How do you think 2020 will impact the game? 2020 is going to have a major impact. I think what's, what we're seeing today, uh, first, this is the busiest year I've had. Uh, we have 
probably 13 different golf course projects in different stages of either from design, master planning, to construction, um, and or to long-term planning or something like that. So we've been working, you know, we work throughout the central part of the United States, and people are looking at this and going, wow, what are we doing? The COVID issue and what's going on with 2020 is, is forcing people to get out and get reconnected with the game of golf. And, and I think that trend is even when the pandemic's over and the COVID everything, I think people are going to continue playing because I think they're going to realize they enjoyed the game and they're out there having a good time and it's a great recreation. And, you know, a lot of people I've been talking to on these golf courses, you know, on average today, they're not really worried about their score. They're saying, hey, I'm out with family or I'm out with friends. If I shoot a 92 or bogey golf, you know, it was a great day. So I think – it is going to change the way we think about design. Uh, we do a lot of work for the city of Overland Park, um, which is one of the busiest golf courses in the Kansas City area. And Doug Melchior over there is he's the golf course super t- superintendent or the director of the whole facility. Their rounds are through the roof. They're doing rounds like they saw back in the, in, in the 90s, and it's crazy. And I think people just want to have a fun golf course that's in good shape and they just want to go out and they don't want to get beat up. And uh, so we're seeing that with some of our designs. So we see quite a range, I think, from going from the Oakwoods mm-hmm. or the Millburns um, or even the Canyon Farms where we've done work over there, um, you know, down to the Overland Park golf courses or some of them that are a little bit shorter that you just want to make them enjoyable. Well, don't uh, jazz up Canyon Farms too much. That's hard enough as it is, man. <laughs> I've played hundreds, tell me. dozens of rounds of golf there. So, <laughs> Canyon Farms is a uh, very difficult. We did not do the original design, <laughs> and that is a very challenging golf course. Mark Newton out there, he's a friend, and and the Klossmans with the Great Life Group, uh, they've they've invested a lot of money into that. We we helped them out with uh, their bunkers and like the the water fountain on three and the driving range. And, and I keep telling them when we have all of our meetings, we, we need to make that golf course more playable so they can attract more families. Because right now that's that's a very demanding golf mm-hmm. course. Uh, the greens, he keeps them firm and fast. Mark does a great job over there. And then you throw in the terrain and some of the trees are really tight with trees. Um, yeah, we that doesn't need anything else to make that golf course hard. That's for sure. It's a beautiful, beautiful golf course, but it is uh, it is difficult. I, I I often think I don't know how a twenty handicapper comes out here and plays if you go through two dozen golf balls. And but anyway, oh, but I know. that's a subject for. Well, a diff- I go you know, I go out there and I can play, and and you have to be playing really good. If I go yes. out there and play really good, I, I'll shoot up for eighties or low nineties. But if you're off and the wind's blowing, you're losing <laughs> golf balls, and that's you're you're in triple digits real quick. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, it's a it's a every shot is a double bogey waiting to happen. That's uh, that's for sure. But uh, we have such one as I said, we have blessed with such wonderful golf courses. We could tick them off one after another after another. Of course, as we speak, it's the week of a fall Masters. Uh, you've been on that property on multiple occasions. First of all, to help out the, the listener as he goes through uh, this weekend, and of course we sit here on Friday now. Uh, we're we're going to hear, and we have heard the words "overseed" or the word "over." seed a million times and just yeah you're not a superintendent but obviously your golf course designer has to deal with things like uh, like that what exactly do they do in a situation of overseeding well so to give you an idea so Augusta's down in Georgia you know Augusta National is 
And so really that golf course is all Bermuda grass. Right. And because it's in the south. And what they do is usually come in the fall time, they go and they plant it with rye grass. And they get it so it's nice and pristine and beautiful like you see on TV. So they start that process early and then come springtime when they always have it uh, in the springtime in April, then it looks perfect. The zellies are out and everything's great. Well, this year, I think they just had to bump it up a little bit, and get it going, and make sure the overseeding took because it takes, you know, it takes a transition period to get it seeded, get it grown in, and to have it look great. Uh, in the golf course, to have it look nice in the fall because the members play in the fall down there, you know, that won't be the problem. And actually, I think the golf course will probably, you know, it's going to be a little firmer and drier just because it's in fall compared to the springtime. And I think that'll, you know, the balls will probably run out a little bit more. Um, which will make it a little bit different. And then the temperatures are going to be maybe a little bit warmer depending on what the weather is. But that's that's going to be the biggest difference between doing it this fall and what they traditionally do in the springtime. So the overseeding is a very common practice that they do in the south just to make it uh, look good and, and overseed it with ryegrass. So and is, I don't know, Dan, have you, have you been down there? No, Augusta? I, I have not. I have not been to Augusta. So. Yeah, it is. You talk about the overseeding is just, it's just perfect. I mean, they go through and they overseed it, and uh, it's unbelievable. I went back. I took my dad and my cousin Brent's father down there back in, I think it was in 2009, and that was our first time, or 2008, that I went down there. And it's you can't. It's hard to describe because you see it on TV, you read the articles, you look at the videos, and you just getting an idea of the elevation change right. is unbelievable. And I try to compare it to places around here that people can relate to. You know, some of the holes, like the 10th hole, you know, you're talking like the elevation, like if you take number four at Falcon Ridge. You know, those are the type of drops in elevation that you're talking about. It right. is, it's more severe than what it looks like on TV. And then some of the shots, like you get to the ninth hole and you're down below and you're hitting up to a plateau green or even on 18, where the, on 18 the green will be blind. I mean... That terrain is, I mean, those are hard shots hitting up to these elevated greens sitting way up. And, I mean, the terrain is, is a major factor down there. And that, that's what I think everybody's just shocked by when they see it for the first time is, is that. So Yeah, and I haven't been to Augusta National, but I've been to enough golf courses that, you know, that they have tournaments at to know, like, I went to the tournament in Hartford a million times because uh, I'm from the okay. East Coast. And right. th- there's a there's a par four on the backside, and, 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 I mean, it's straight down, like, off a cliff. And on TV, it just looks like it's a gentle little thing. I, I think you can almost, like, triple what you think you see on TV as far as elevation changes when you're watching a golf tournament on television. Oh, you can. Well, and, and what doesn't show is Augusta National and, and the contrary of the greens. I mean, you, you right. talk about... You talk about how severe some of these greens are, and and until you go down and see them, um, I've been lucky enough to go down, and I've gone to the Berkman's place. It's it's a hospitality area for the members to entertain their guests, and and it's unbelievable. It's just off the fifth hole, and they have some replica greens, the famous greens out there, like 16 and some of the other ones, and you actually get some of the caddies, some of the older caddies, and they're all they're kind of reduced down a little bit, but they take you around and allow you to hit some of the famous putts, like on 16, you see the break and the contouring. And until you putt on them and you see them live, the movement's unbelievable. I always, 
I came back. I told Brent Hugo, my partner, I said, okay, if we build any of these greens like this on any of our projects, <laughs> we will be fired. We will be out of business so fast. And, and it's true. You just, you know, when they built that, um, Alistair McKenzie, when he built that stuff back, you know, back when they got it because of the Berkmans, they were, they were the nursery. They, they owned the nursery where they built the, the golf course. And that's where the Berkman place comes from. And that's why all the holes are named after different species of plants. Um, when they looked at that, I mean, the maintenance practices were totally different. If you go back and look at the old photos and how the golf course is maintained and how mowers have changed and the cutting height and everything like that, they had to put that movement in the greens to make them interesting. Today, it's just the equipment's so good and the superintendents are so good and they want these speeds is perfect. And that's, that's what makes for interesting greens today. Yeah, they were designed for stimp meter readings like six and seven, and they're put, yeah, they're they putting were. them at thirteen yeah. and fourteen. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so we we have this uh, year of twenty twenty. Uh, it's created a boom in golf. Uh, obviously, you says you've never you say you've never been as busy as you are before. When you look in, on the horizon, what do you see for CE designs and the design business? And where do you think the state of game the the game of golf is headed? Yeah, we have. Uh, I'm a member of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, and you know we have our annual meetings. And, and I just went up to actually Wisconsin, and you know now we don't have our large annual meetings, so we're doing a lot of regional meetings. And I think everybody is kind of talking about, hey, what is this? Is this just a blimp on the radar, or do we actually see a true trend here, something changing? And I think a lot of us are, are feel like that there is going to be a change. We we see. We see people reinvesting. We see more short courses. Um, we feel like when I, we look at our the next two years of work that we know is coming up, it looks like next year is going to be a busy year, and the year after that is going to be could be a potentially good year too, is that finally people are reinvesting. What happened in 2008 and 2010, you know, we overbuilt uh, right. golf courses. We overbuilt them everywhere. And, you know, as an architect, we, we were a part of it. I mean, you know, if you stop and think about it, when Craig and I are working together, we, you know, here we went and built Falcon Ridge and then Prairie Highlands, and you had all these golf courses popping up all over because they're, you know, National Golf Foundation came out and said, hey, you got to build a golf course a day, open a golf course a day for the next three or five years, and people went crazy, and uh, and we overbuilt, and um, so I think now some golf courses have closed. You know, I think what you're seeing today and, and a little bit of the COVID that you're seeing families are going back into clubs and most clubs are pretty full today. And the reason why is people want to be in a safe environment. They feel like that mom likes to know where the kids are at and they want to be hanging out at the clubs and they want to be around the golf courses. So I think, you know, I think this is, this is a good trend for golf. I mean, this is one time this pandemic that the golf industry is is coming out on the positive side. And if there's anything that comes out of this, I mean, there's so many things, so many businesses that have just taken a hit and it really impacted what they're doing. This is just one thing that uh, it has helped this, this industry, the golf industry for sure. This podcast was made possible by our great sponsors like Easton Roofing presenting sponsor of Kansas City Profiles at the Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Easton Roofing, 
where integrity matters. We hope you enjoyed the latest Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Come back soon for something fresh and new. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.